Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith Not just a profile picture For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com And the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website Is ready to help single Catholics take the next step In sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love. CMF Curo is the country's first Catholic health share ministry to provide an affordable health sharing program rooted in Catholic teaching and community. Learn more at MyCatholicHealthShare.com. CMF Curo. Healthcare fully alive. Human beings were made a certain way by God, by design, and that if we use human nature, if we act according to our nature, things do flourish. We will flourish as human beings. And if we go against our nature, things tend to fall apart. We are women encouraging and equipping women to universally and uniquely serve Christ in their feminine vocation. By embracing joy, laughter, freedom, and friendship, we are seeking to thrive in the trenches of our domestic churches. Welcome to Thriving in the Trenches podcast. This is Becky Carter. And this is Megan Schreiber. You're listening to episode number 55, where our topic today is discussing today's tough moral issues. We have a special guest joining us. Layla Miller is the co-author of Made This Way, How to Prepare Kids to Face Today's Tough Moral Issues. Layla co-authored this book with Trent Horn. And before Layla did this book, she worked in advertising before becoming a wife and stay-at-home mom. From home, she wrote a regular editorial column for the Arizona Republic before starting her blogs, Little Catholic Bubble and LaylaMiller.net. Layla is active on Facebook and has been featured on Catholic television, radio, and in print. Her previous two books, Primal Loss, The Now Adult Children of Divorce Speak, and Raising Chase Catholic Men, address in simple terms the church's timeless teachings on marriage, family, and the moral education of children. She and her husband have eight children and several grandchildren. Layla, welcome to the podcast. Hi, ladies. It's so great to be with you. Thank you for having me. We are so excited about getting to talk about this this topic that is so relevant right now and, and really needing to dig in. I know our listeners are going to be very excited to hear all that you have for them. But before we go there, can you please share a little bit about yourself, something that a listener might relate to, just kind of how you got to where you are today. Oh, absolutely. So, I'm pretty typical of the cradle Catholic who was born and um, catechized uh, post-Vatican II. I, I was catechized in the 70s and 80s, so that's kind of scary. Um, and I'm I'm 51 now, so I was a Generation X, I guess they call us. And I went to Mass every Sunday, and we went every Holy Day, but we were not taught well. So by the time I hit high school, and then especially when I went to a Jesuit university, um, 
I kind of morally, especially fell away from the faith. And in my mind, I still thought I was being a really good Catholic and I still wanted to meet and marry a really great Catholic guy and um, ended up, uh, you know, not, not realizing that I was probably in several different mortal sins and uh, even stopped going to mass except when I was home. A lot of people can relate to that. You know, you go, you don't go during college and then you get home and you go on the weekends with your parents. Um, Ended up marrying a really great Jewish agnostic man who, uh, (laughs) it wasn't exactly my plan, but uh, we married in the church. And then uh, this was about three, six years into our marriage after we had three kids and we were done, by the way, after three kids, that was it. Uh, of course, God certainly has changed our, our hearts on that since we have eight kids now. But he, I, I had a reversion. I had a reversion when I was very close to leaving the Catholic Church to go to a, a Bible church when I started realizing, wait a minute, wait a minute, I think there's real truth out there. And I think that I'm not hearing it in these Catholic parishes that I'm going to sporadically. Anyway, long story short, a friend of mine... Um, was coming out of radical feminism. She was. She found herself also questioning objective truth. She ended up at a Bible church. I was going to go join that Bible church, and my mom was the one who said, when I told her that, uh, I kind of told her that sheepishly one night, she said, Layla, find out what you're leaving before you leave it. And then a couple weeks later, she followed up by giving me a copy of Carl uh, Keating's Catholicism and Fundamentalism, which is so ironic because this book that I've just written is from Catholic Answers, and they were the ones who were the first thing I've ever read that really explained the truth of Catholicism, and I never knew that existed. I was, what, 26, 27 years old at the time. I never knew someone had defended the faith logically. So, Fast forward, anyway, my husband converted as well. He had a really profound conversion. And uh, ever since then, that was, gosh, it's been 24 years maybe. And I've been teaching the faith ever since. And um, combine that with my writing skills and background. Uh, and and now we have these books. <laughs> so God is very good. <laughs> and more children. And more children. We had five sons after that. And uh, now we have seven grandchildren. And so... Uh, Again, grace of God and hopefully some of the things that we're going to talk about today. They're all still Catholic. Everybody's a practicing Catholic. And uh, and so I, I just thought I had something to offer some of the very uh, nervous parents, nervous Catholic parents out there who don't know how to navigate this culture. And I can understand that. Right. That that is. I I, I can really relate with your background. We we sound like we have very similar journeys. Mm. Um, you know, I have to say that this book is really great, and I I almost can see myself using it as a as like a reference guide because this book is uh, for me when I when I read it was not that I had to read it from start to finish all in one sitting, which was a help for me as a busy mom. Mm-hmm. But to be able to go, okay, that topic, I need that topic right now. And, yes. you know, just kind of go right to that. And so I do want to just share for some of our listeners, um, I'm just going to outline a couple of the topics in the book. We're not going to be able to go through all of those. But um, but I'll just give our listeners a, a bit of a taste. Um, we are talking about issues of same-sex marriage, contraception, divorce, um, reproductive technologies, pornography, transgender identity, and homosexuality. They're just a few. We have other topics in there like abortion and sex outside of marriage. Um, But, you know, what I think about when probably you were raising your children, Layla, that what a vast difference between now when your grandchildren, I don't know how old they are, assuming maybe grade school, that, you know, 
these things never even crossed our mind. When we were raising our children, uh, you know, our oldest ones, we were thinking, of course, we have to talk about the, you know, abortion and sex outside of marriage and contraception Mm -hmm. and divorce. And, and those were big topics and they were very polemic topics. And, and now we have things that are even more explosive than those. And, uh, while we know the truth, it's very hard in the culture to not come across as a bigot, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is what how we get painted right. often when we stand for the truth. So um, I just really want to thank you for writing the book. I think it is it, it is an invaluable reference. So there's a you'll you'll talk a bit about what the church says. So that's the that's the key piece in the beginning on, say, if you pick a topic like the transgender piece, because even some parents might not really understand the fullness of, of what the church says, right? But they know that they need to talk to their children about this. So I love that you're, you're, a, you're able to talk from the lens of the church. And then, the, and then the next step is talking to older children and then younger children. So you have two separate ways in which to talk to our children, obviously based on their age, on these difficult topics. So we just, I just thank you for, for writing that. So I have a question. As you and Trent were writing this, was there any particular topic in this book that really uh, kind of you, you hit the most uh, resistance with? You know, it, it, it's so interesting. I, I don't think so, only because you realize as you're writing, every single one of these topics is so related to the others that it all flows together. So these difficult moral issues that, as you said, were were set up by the culture to be, um, you know, called haters and meanies and and bigots, and every single one of them flows from the misunderstanding and misuse of human sexuality, the ones that we touched upon. And so each one, I mean, there were some that were a little more difficult in the sense that, um, you know, it might be harder to talk to little kids, like a little kids, the little kids section, how to, how to talk to little kids about this issue or that issue might have been more difficult or, and it's a shorter chapter because you can't say as much, um, as some of the others, for example, you know, there's a section on pornography and, uh, you know, there's not a lot you're going to be able to say to a little kid about that subject without violating, their latency period or their years of innocence. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit of a shorter, and we kind of have a, a roundabout way of um, of addressing some of these issues with the little kids. And that one in particular was was difficult. And and then once you get into the sections talking to the teens, it's a lot easier to just say, look, let's speak with reason and logic. Let's look at how something is made. Let's look at the created order of something. And and teens want things to make sense. They want their world to make sense because it is crazy. They see it. They see that things are not grounded in anything, and there's a lot of chaos. So, um, so yeah. Sometimes the 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 chapters for the little little guys were a little tricky, <laughs> right? Just because of the sensitivity of the topic, yes, right? Yes, yes. But, but you're right. You bring up a good point. I mean, ultimately, all of these things are tied back to you know the human sexuality component, um, but. You know that's exactly what the the battle has been, right? Is to to just the destruction of the image of uh, the fact that we were made in the image and likeness of God. It's yes, it's like the ultimate. Yeah, it, absolutely. And you know, and now that I'm thinking about it, there are there were some some topics that are difficult because even Catholics don't generally want to hear 
about them. There are certain certain groups of Catholics that don't want to hear, for example, about modesty. And it's because we are all seeped in this culture, even Catholics, and we think somehow that even to talk about modesty, eh, you know, that just makes us seem so, oh, so old-fashioned, or it's just not not cool. It's not going to make the, the culture like us, and we don't want to shame girls, and it's all about clothing. And we approached it in a way that shows that modesty is not all about clothing. However, we also didn't shy away from the idea that clothing does have something to do with modesty and that modesty still is a virtue. So instead of just ignoring that entire virtue that the church has never ignored, that the saints have never ignored, just because we live in this era doesn't mean we should just kind of brush that one under the rug and say that that's just going to make us look, you know, bad as Catholic. You know, you just we we tackled it. We tackled it. So we tackled everything because again, it is all connected. But yeah, so those those things we had to be a little sensitive to, realizing, oh boy, we're going to be we're going to be attacked maybe even by by Catholics on this issue, um, even even otherwise faithful Catholics because you just don't want to hear it, and especially um, maybe younger moms and such. So, but I think we did. I think we did a a pretty good job bolstering the case and not not looking like um puritans which we aren't so but that was kind of a tricky that was a tricky one sure um sure well i can tell you you did do a very good job in that and um a couple well actually becky it was many many episodes Layla, we did a topic on modesty mm. and i will say uh, i did not expect it however becky you predicted it if you recall mm. it ended up being at that point probably our most I'm going to say controversial podcast mm. in which mm. I was like, wow, this, this really pricked a lot of people. Like I, yes. I was surprised by the reaction. As I said, yes. the, the Becky was not surprised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's explosive and it shouldn't be. Again, we go back to, it's a virtue. <laughs> it's not, it shouldn't be that controversial because we can't just pick and choose which of the virtues that we like as Catholics. They all go together. Mm-hmm. They're all beautiful and wonderful. And why would we, we be ashamed of one of them or not want to talk about it? So and then we have to, and that's the thing also that I talk about as far as um, talking with your teens um, and even with other other adults, we have to discern what it is that we are getting that is a cultural idea or a cultural thought or influence versus is it a Christian idea or a Christian virtue or is it Christian influence? And and it can be hard to separate that, but we have to discern it because we, again, the culture is the air we breathe. It's like a fish swimming in water. We don't recognize it. We don't realize how much we've been affected by it. And so really pull back and look at what does the church teach and what do, this is key for me personally, what have the saints throughout the eras said about this particular topic, this particular virtue, and then go with that and see if it's clashing with some of the things that we are buying into or believing um, from the culture. And then there's usually a stark difference and we can pull back and say, wait a minute, maybe I'm maybe I'm being more influenced by the culture than, than my faith. And we, and we can explain that to our children as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, the confusion is pervasive. And um, there, there is a, a quote going around the internet presently. And um, I'll, I'll actually have to pull who who said this. But, but it goes like this. So let me get this straight. We're a nation that accepts pornography, but hates abuse. 
a nation that doesn't believe in gender, but fights for women's rights. We're a nation that believes no child should be left behind, but we've aborted over 60 million. No wonder we're confused. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That says it all, doesn't it? It does. It really does. We are very confused. It, we live in chaotic times. You mentioned, you know, when my older kids were growing up, um, and my oldest is 27 now, the oldest three are married with kids of their own, uh, and my youngest is eight, uh, the, the first group of kids that I raised, we didn't have to talk about LGBTQ. That wasn't even a term. I didn't even have the internet till like, I think 1998 or something. And, and, uh, my first child was born in 1991. We didn't have any of this. And then now I've got the second half of kids coming up. I have, uh, the three that are still at home, two are in junior high. And then I have my second grader. They are facing a completely different world. And I have had to deal with issues and things with them that I never had to do with my oldest kids. And it's, that's, that's how quickly this has come up. This is, it's, it's a frenetic frenzied. And if I could just throw this in, I always say, think about the frenzy behind these new things that we're seeing, all this LGBTQ stuff, the, the frenetic frenzied, urgent way that it's being pushed upon us. And then you realize that that doesn't come from the spirit of God. Anything that's really frenzied and frenetic and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, frantic and urgent and almost violent in its need to be imposed, that that's a different spirit. And we should be very, very careful about the spirits that we're mm-hmm. listening to. Um, but it's very quick. It's happened so quickly. And I imagine that if we had written this book in a couple more years, we might have to have another chapter. Who knows what's coming up next? But... Uh, but we do get in all the, the the most recent issues, and it is um, something I never imagined, never imagined <laughs> even 10 years ago that we'd have to talk about this stuff with our kids. Yeah, it's, it's pretty unfortunate. And I think so many of us have not been really formed in what, um, you know, okay, so you start out the book with kind of the philosophy behind who we are mm-hmm. and talking about how we were made, and what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't start there, it is it, it can be pretty difficult to really understand the difference between what the culture is saying and what the church has said or, or ever and ever. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I joke all the time that Megan's the philosopher. I'm the more apologetic kind of defending the Bible, that kind of stuff side. So, which makes us a good match. But so when we get into a philosophical term or topic, I can be quiet because I'm still just trying to process all the different terms. What does that really mean? And so many things are misused. And so the confusion is exasperated by our lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I really encourage listeners to dig into that beginning portion of the book first. Yes. Because without that that knowledge there, it's a little more difficult to understand the other topics you yes. know, without that. We're not used to talking about natural law and we go into what that means in very simple ways. I mean, it's not, you know, this is not complicated philosophy for anybody who's nervous about that. It's, I didn't even know it had a name. Basically what it, uh, what it is, is teaching people to use things or to, to understand things according to their nature. So 
Uh, you know, you could say to your kids, and, and this would be even a fun little game, you could say to your kids to kind of um, make them see what, what this means, you know, how, how to use something according to its nature. You could say, do you, you know, ha- what, if, what if mommy tried to sew on a button using a fork instead of a needle? You know, how would that work? You know, and your little kid would be like, ah, that wouldn't work well. And, you know, what if daddy tried to put molasses in the car gas tank instead of gas? How far do you think he would get? And they'd laugh. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. Well, right, because things work really well and things flourish when we use a thing according to its nature or its design. And so that's kind of the the, the foundation that you want to lay for your little children. And if you teach your children that way, um, in this natural law kind of way, which is uh, the universal moral law. It's how human beings ought to act according to our natures, how we're made. Then um, things make sense. You know, things start to make sense. And that's kind of the, the foundation of everything. If you understand that, that human beings were made a certain way by God, by design, and that if we use human nature, if we act according to our nature— that God designed, then things do flourish. We will flourish as human beings. And if we go against our nature, which is going against the moral law, because we are are reasonable, rational, and moral creatures, if we go against that nature, things tend to fall apart. And of course, we see that all around us right now. And and the teenagers will see that too, because they see it in their friends. They see it all around. Things just go bad if we don't act according to the way God intended us to be against our human nature. So that's kind of the approach that we use. And I find it to be extremely effective because you don't have kids then, if you start early and you and you take them through, you don't have kids who are, are just terribly confused about their identity and who they are and what they're supposed to be doing. And it kind of falls into place and starts to make sense to them. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's an approach that's been not used, but it actually is a very Catholic approach. And in fact, we quote from St. Paul, you know, on through even today, uh, Cardinal Sarah and people who talk about natural MLK, Martin Luther King Mm. Jr. used natural law arguments as to, you know, why the civil rights movement was correct and why he was fighting unjust laws. So that's very basic, but we haven't heard about it in quite a few decades. (laughs) So... Mm-hmm. We're bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back, yeah. I was having a conversation with um, another mother. We went on a field trip this morning, and wow. she's actually a child psychiatrist, and she's doing a book study up at, at my children's school uh, on parenting. And the other day, I ran into her in the hallway, and I said, hey, I have this book, and I think it's going to be, it would be a really great book study for your next parenting, you know, study or whatever. And so, she took a look at it, and she was, you know, quite delighted and was going to grab it and read it. But what she said today really um, stuck out to me in parenting and, and equipping our children how to handle the world. And, and that comes from, that's on many levels, not just the chaos of the culture, but just even how to handle interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. Our family sizes are smaller, so the kids aren't getting as much conflict at home to learn how to have conflict resolution all the way to the the culture of the day. And mm-hmm. she was just talking about how how many more children, when they get out and, and are exposed to the world, even in the schools, even in our Catholic schools, there's such a high rate of depression 
anxiety and the inability to cope with what's happening. And uh, if that doesn't sniff out to be the ploy of the evil one, then I don't know what else is. Yes. If you take away uh, the human, if you take away a person's um, origins, identity, who they are, where they came from, where they're going, you take away their foundation, you take away stability. That is where you get existential angst, you know, and that is where you get despair. And we are seeing it everywhere that the suicide rates among young people, I mean, that just breaks my heart to realize how confused and how despairing and dark the world is for them because they don't see a path. They don't see anything clearly. They don't know. And now they, they don't even know if they're male or female. I mean, the most basic, basic, basic parts of who we are are being not, not just questioned, but they're expected to question it. They're expected to question whether they're a man or a woman and whether they, you know, what their orientation is and how it, can you imagine, I can't, I, I sometimes I just, <laughs> I get so freaked out by how can this, how can we be doing this to our kids? Um, and then you add something like, uh, you know, a divorce onto the situation or um, a, a, maybe a Catholic who doesn't fully believe in everything that the church teaches. And so they're, they're allowing this idea that, well, you know, maybe that's, maybe it doesn't really matter if we fly the rainbow flag and do this, that, you know, activity, because we're going to be sympathetic to, um, you know, people who we think are, are hurting or suffering. And and in the meantime, they're, they're okaying sin and confusion. And, and these kids don't have anything. They have no basis to, they have no firm footing to stand on. And then we wonder why they're, they're in darkness it, it is. It's a, it's a plot. It's a snare of the evil one. And, and um, we see it. Again, it's not hard to see playing out all around us. Uh, we just need to be aware of it. And then in simple ways, we can reverse it. But uh, and, and that's what that's to be honest, that's just what what we're, we were hoping to do with this book is is just put people on give parents back their confidence, first of all, catechize them, because like you said, the parents aren't well grounded in their own faith. They don't really have the words to say. They don't really understand it themselves. Um, but but to, to just give this light, this confidence that, nope, nope, there is something that God had planned here all along, and it's, it's actually written onto our, into our bodies. Uh, we can see it. It's not, the, it's, not, it's not brain surgery. This is not a big mystery that we have to solve. We just have to go back to basics and realize that it all started with God's creation, and we can figure it out fairly easily with certain tools to get us there. That's great. Well, I, you know, as I'm listening to you talk about all of this, and I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's just so frightening at times because it, it really is diabolical, mm-hmm. um, the disorder of this. So, you know, it, it's almost as if it's, you know, it's diabolical, but it's coated in compassion, it's yes. like got this little exterior that seems sweet and slick and um, kind of easily to digest. So I wonder if you have any suggestions or advice to parents on, on how to have the truth conversations with um, and, and also at the same time kind of revealing what true compassion is. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that's a little tough to talk about because it's, you know, we know that the um, we we know who the enemy is. We know what this battle is about. Um, 
it's, it's sometimes it's hard when, uh, you know, I remember having this conversation with one of my children who were like in seventh grade and uh, talking about uh, this, the issue of homosexuality. And, and she said, but mommy, it just seems so sad that they can't, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. Why would people be mean to them? And of course, you know, I have to say, well, people should never be mean to them, you know, and mm-hmm. really kind of talk about but how how we can, and I was trying to encourage her in that too, we, we are always called to compassion first, mm-hmm. but never at the sake of truth. So right. do you have suggestions, like in your own experience maybe, or even just in writing this book where you thought, well, this would be a really good tip um, to help parents in that um you know, to, to, to remain compassionate and truthful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I always talk about the, the macro versus the micro, which is people confuse this too, because again, we're in an age of, um, I call it the age of unreason. Uh, but also, um, it, everything is ruled by feelings now and we're expected to go by feelings. So, but there's, there are two different ways to look at everything. I, when I'm speaking about truth in general, objective truth, I call that the, the macro. So if I'm teaching, I have to teach generally. I have to teach in the, the big picture, and this is the objective truth of it. But then when we talk about the, the micro, that's like talking to an individual. So if you encounter an individual, like this is something classic that I always get. I always get this. People say, if I say something, like after the, let's say, after the gay marriage ruling came down, um, I wrote a blog post about it, and I and I quoted the bishops, you know, the U.S. bishops who said this is an unjust and immoral decision, basically. And so that, that shouldn't have been controversial. That's just ch- church teaching. Well, a lot of people were up in arms, like, that's just so mean. How could you say that? And and I thought, okay, wait, wait. It's similar to when you, you want to, you're trying to have a discussion with someone about why it might be wrong to misuse sexuality in this way, and there's plenty of reasons why it's, it's wrong, and, and, and even the outcomes you see from it, there's lots of damage and there's lots of hardship and 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 uh, unhealthy things that come from it and uh, societal problems, all sorts of things. But then when you have that argument, you inevitably get people who say back to you, but I can't just, you want me to go up to my neighbor who is gay, let's say, you want me to go up to my neighbor and tell that neighbor you're going to hell, and God hates you. And and I'm thinking, okay, wait, 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 wait. Where did we get? And again, this is where our reasoning is lacking. Where did we get from talking about a philosophical, you know, issue or truth? We're talking about truth in general, a moral issue, to saying that we now have to go to individuals and tell individuals that they're going to hell and we don't like them, and which is so not true. I mean, we we it's not. It's such a false dichotomy saying we have to to do to do this thing both of these things and it's like no 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 one's saying you have to do that when you're actually talking to an individual you talk to them like a person you you love them like a person every person is a sinner every person has something that uh you know is keeping them from being a saint you know or holy so some of for some of them it's it's a graver sins and it might uh, be that they're in a state of, of of sin versus a state of grace, but we can't judge that. We just know that we love everyone, but we don't compromise on what is best for everyone. So we don't go to them and say you're going to hell and da da da. That's never been an option. Never been a question. No one's ever said to do that, and yet that's what they jump to immediately because we've lost the ability to reason or to separate out the macro from the micro or how we treat. Uh, a, a topic and a, and a subject from how we treat an individual person. Um, 
I find that to be the fuzzy thinking that we have today. It, mm-hmm. it just can't, you can't separate out the person from the person's acts because you even say something that's very, we say something that's very common. We hate the sin, but we love the sinner. Well, that's a very basic Christian principle. And yet you can't even say that anymore because people instantly think that means you hate the sinner. (laughs) They don't even give you, they don't even listen to what is being said anymore. It's just instantly, oh, you must hate those people. You must hate gay people. It's like, what, what are you talking about? I never said that. So, um, but you have to explain that part to the kids too and say, look, this is this is the big picture. This is the truth objectively, and this is what we this is how we actually love individuals, and we have to make distinctions. And I tell my kids that all the time. We must make distinctions, and that's a big thing that people are missing today. They don't know how to make a distinction between an act and a person. So those types of things. That's up to us. That's up to parents to explain that to kids, and um, hopefully. Reason still has some place at the table and not just how we feel, not just feelings of compassion. So mm-hmm. bring back reason and say reasonable things, but in compassionate ways and, and we'll be fine. But, um, but again, it's a parent's job and that's why we have to have our confidence back. Right. That's right. Well, you know, and I was just thinking about that response that you you use as an example, and you illustrated that, you know, it went from, so wait, you're expecting me to go up to my neighbor and tell him he's going to go to hell? Well, of course, that's mm-hmm. not what you said, right? So mm-hmm. so sometimes for me in um, dealing with maybe challenging uh, people or challenging topics like that, you know, I, I, I try to, even in that moment, to think, you know, perhaps perhaps somebody said this to this person over maybe a different topic because when when there's a visceral reaction that seems so unreasonable mm-hmm. to me that's always the beginning sign that they're they're moving from their wound you know they're mm-hmm. they're yes. reacting from their wound so we can do one of two things we can kind of try to go well that's not what i said and then you just find you're you're really you, you now have a straw man argument that's not really what's at the heart of what's happening and what's at the heart of what's happening is that this person is is reacting from a wounded place. So, you know, mm-hmm. I I found that if, if somebody has responded to something like that, like that, I might even find myself like, oh, gosh, like I would never do that. Has anybody ever done that to you? And mm-hmm. you will see that all of a sudden be like, well, you know what? <laughs> then it's mm-hmm. like, and then you know what? But hopefully by the grace of God, that's a moment for me to minister to that person on whatever the yes. issue is. And nine out of ten times, it was absolutely not the topic of what, yes. what was in Exactly. Right? And then hopefully, too, as that uh, safety is built between two people, and now they've seen that I'm seemingly a reasonable person, that hopefully their reason is restored and the conversation then can circle back to that original topic. So um, that's just something, that too, that I want to just throw out as like one of those quick discernment moments for people who, you know, if you see somebody reacting what you think is extraordinarily unreasonable, realize that it is extraordinarily unreasonable. So mm-hmm. it's almost like let's not engage with that part, but maybe see how they might be hurting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Very, very good strategy. Absolutely. I mean, every person you come in contact with has wounds and has something that is is hurting, and they have also been taught, you know, certain things, especially uh, about the Catholic Church or about the Catholic faith. And they, again, you might be the only person that they've that will sit and actually be there for them and and 
disabuse them of their notions that we're just terrible, mean, awful people. Now it won't always happen. I mean, I've, I've, I've befriended people, wonderful people that, you know, but as I, as new topics come up or as, as I've, I have a kind of a, I have an online presence. Um, but when I do say things that are truthful, but that they don't want to hear, um, some of them don't actually come around or some of them do mm-hmm. turn and say, you know what, you're just mean. And it's like, I didn't, I really didn't say anything yeah. mean. I didn't even say anything mean to you, but you, sometimes you just can't, That's right. it's going to be mm-hmm. someone down the line who might, mm-hmm. who might be able to reach them, but it might not be right. You, you can't, you can't change everybody's heart. You can't touch everybody right. the way you, you wish that you could. Exactly. No, this is, this is all excellent conversation. I wish we could tap into the, the contraception conversation. Megan and I have been talking about hitting that topic for, I mean, the almost two years that we've been podcasting. So, um, you know, I wish we could, yes. could go into that. Um, it's cause so it's just, mm. yeah. It's so, yeah. If, you know, when I realized how anti-woman it is, when you realize you're teaching your girls, there's something wrong with their bodies that, and you know, we're in this, we're in this we're in this girl power phase of our culture where we want our girls to feel good and not ashamed. And and yet we're telling them here, you need to get on these chemicals and you need to put these devices all up into your private parts and you need to be available for these guys who want to use you. And and we're saying there's something wrong with their bodies that has to be altered. How is that going to help their self-esteem and make them feel proud of being a woman? I mean, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I, I hate, I hate it. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the whole, the whole, yeah. Mm. Okay. We won't open that can of worms today. <laughs> I know. That's a whole nother show. That's a whole nother show. Yes. Oh my goodness. It, it is. It is. But we are thankful so much that we were able to have you on the podcast with us and share you with our listeners. And um, yeah, we're going to be sharing the book out and encouraging others to read it. I'm going to continue reading it. I haven't finished it yet, but um, I love Megan's suggestion of even being able to use it as that reference. Yes. But, um, but yes, structurally, it's very good. You can just go to right straight to the topic you need. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's it's good, and I know Trent has a wealth of information, and it's your motherly voice that is written. And I, you know, for people who aren't familiar with the book, uh, Layla and Trent wrote it together. Trent is a very uh, informed individual, but Layla being the mother, the grandmother who has that voice of wisdom and that feminine voice, the motherly voice is so, so the book is written in Layla's voice, I guess you could say. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I love this podcast. You guys are great. Thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it has been so fun having you on. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Becky, Layla was awesome. Not that I expected she wouldn't be. I was really excited for this one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's one of those things when you find the kindred spirit and the the conversation is dynamic. The topic is dynamic. The you know, it's just yeah, it was yeah. just so good and and really could. Uh, I, I wish we could have had her really kind of touch on, touch on all the topics. Of course, that's not doable with the amount of time we have, but. Right. Um, and she's just nice. <laughs> I know. She really is. She's, yeah. She's she inc- yeah. yeah. And genuine. You know, totally. And, you know, it's funny. So, like, I'm introducing her, and it says, like, you know, and her grandchildren. And then in the podcast, she mentioned she has eight. I'm like, 
she looks 10 years younger than me. No, Easily. <laughs> she does. And my I'm not saying she looks old, but I'm not saying. No, stop it. Oh, my gosh. I was like, all right, there are total goals. Total goals. I mean, well, she is young. She's she's 51. Yeah. That's not mm-hmm. like I'm I'm 49. Yeah. But she still no. looks 10 years younger than me. No, I do not agree. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do we need to fight on air here? No, we won't. It? We won't. Okay. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, I loved, uh, she, she has all that insight. See, here, here's what was fascinating to me is this is not some, you know, uh, master's in divinity or PhD in theology or whatever, who's just kind of writing this. She does have that intellectual level. But this is like a mom who didn't finish raising her kids and she doesn't really know what we're all talking about. She, she even said it like with the span that she's had, she's raised, raised kind of like the first half of kids, um, never even having to talk about any of these issues really, other than the, their only formation probably on divorce and contraception and abortion in their home to now she's her, her youngest, I think she said was second grade and she's got middle schoolers and she is just like, this is what we're dealing with. So she, see, to me, that's just that she's so relatable um, that she understands us. I mean, she's dealing with it right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree, which is why I think she's such a great guest for our our podcast and for the listeners who, uh, you know, we really do have a range of ages and, and stages. Well, that's a- probably overused term, but <laughs> our listeners are, are very varied. And so, um, and you don't even have to be a parent to have appreciated the conversation because we're all being confronted with the topics of the day, wherever you are. Right. Yeah. And I would even encourage anybody who's, who's, you know, just single and says like, I mean, I, I kind of understand the topics, but not really, because I, I really don't know what we say over here. I'm not sure I'm in agreement with what you know, is being said over here. This is a great book to read, even in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it could also be a really good book for priests and pastors who are are wading through all of the culture and the kids who are coming in, the kids who are in their confessionals and looking for answers and help and the mercy of God. You know, I'm not saying that our priests are not well formed and not saying that at all, but the the practical tips that are coming from, that's coming from a parent and a theologian, you know, that, that married information, I guess you could say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not a married person, but the information that those two, the wisdom that comes from Trent and Layla and how that's married into this one book, I think could be very beneficial even for um, a priest or, you know, in mm-hmm. That's a great, it's a great idea. Okay. Well, I guess we could stop beating the dead horse now and go ahead and wrap it up. We just want to thank all of you for being with us in the trenches. Um, You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, You can find show notes at thrivinginthetrenches.com. But we'd love to see you on the social media and and just join our community. So thank you so much, guys. Um, Thanks for joining the conversation.
Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com.